37th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Pixelated Paranormal's Halloween Special Part 2. Ooh. Yeah, this puppy's coming to you on Halloween as well. Ain't that special? It's going to be so spectacular. Uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> you sound spectacular, man. Um, we had originally planned to have Steven from O oh Indeed podcast on, but he is getting down with the sickness, apparently. So he had to phone in. So hopefully maybe we can get him on here uh, on one of the next upcoming episodes. So we did wish he, him a... Did he huh? phone in or is he still comatose? Because he never responded after. <laughs> right. I can't focus. I'm trying to play Mario and watch Stranger Things 2 at the same time. Ow, <laughs> yeah. this hurts. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I called him and check on him and he called me back and said that he's pretty much been bedridden all day. And feels like hell. And uh, apparently it's going around because you sound a little under the weather as well. Yeah, it's of a respiratory infection that my associate gave me is the best. Oh, nice, dude. You sound like an 80-year-old smoker. Yeah. Uh, I actually had an aunt that had this exact same, like, you know, like, texture to her voice. Uh, I really sound like my Aunt D. Oh. Yeah. Auntie Preston. Uh, so, oh yeah. Well, I'll do my best, folks, to edit out the sniffles and hacking of Preston. If a couple make it in, just uh, forgive me because that seems like a fool's errand sometimes. Kind of like Sisyphus pushing yeah. a rock up a hill just to have it roll back down on top of you. I'm going to make it a very tedious uh, affair tonight. I can tell you that. I'm going to try to mute my microphone as best I can when I start hacking up whatever in my lungs I have left, but you know. <laughs> What the hell was that noise? And stomach. Man, I'm pretty sure you're not sick at all, but yeah. you're possessed. <laughs> terrifying. Oh, Halloween special. Get out of my belly. <laughs> Damn. Uh, well, while you guys are all sick and just hacking up a lung, I'm enjoying myself a Moscow Feed mule. Feed me, Shana Four. Feed me. <laughs> yeah, I've got this... Um, tradition every year when like the first cold spell hits i don't wear like long sleeves when i go grocery shopping i just wear like short sleeves and flip-flops and expose myself to it and then i drink hard liquor for a couple nights and that usually kind of builds up the old uh, immune system uh, that sounds like that's how the russians do it i'm gonna go outside with my cap on and my flip-flops with a flask of vodka yeah. Well, you know, that's funny you say that because my dad had told me once before that our last name actually um, has Siberian roots. Uh, like we must come from yeah. Siberia. And our original last name was pronounced the same, but it was spelled S-C-H-W-A-A-B. That makes no fucking sense. But I mean, that's Russia for you, man. That's true. Yeah. So, I mean, there you go. I had a guy ask me the other day if I was Russian because my beard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't know, man. I mean, apparently there's a lot of people in Wichita alone that have beards, and I don't think we're all Russian. The, although yours is very Viking-esque, so... Yeah. And then when I let mine grow out, like uh, that, uh, whatever that season from Walking Dead when Rick had that giant man bush... 
that's what mine like yeah. mine grows out instead of down and yours has like a nice you know eric the red look to it yar <laughs> right it took me a minute though man like for the longest time i just wanted to grow out in every direction but down and i've been training this puppy for for a minute you persistence know, for, pays off yeah for a while i keep threatening shayla that when i lose about 20 more pounds i'm going to shave it off i'm going to go to the barber and get a straight razor shave down to the bare skin and she just says i'll still look like a chubby little boy so i, I mean you know i shaved mine off because i trimmed it too much and then i realized what the fuck happened to my chin like <laughs> did i did i lose my chin since i've had a beard like what what happened <laughs> no you just got yeah, a it's weird one. i don't know <laughs> the last time i shaved mine off i was like yeah i'm just gonna shave it down with like a no guard so i'll have you know like an eighth of an inch and halfway through i'm like you used to have yeah, a chin. What the fuck? Did, I've got pictures to prove it. Where did, did you I go? Do this to myself? God damn it. Right. I look like the dude off of uh, Men in Black. You know, just give me some water. <laughs> Sugar. Don't do that. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to do that again until I lose a couple more LBs. So, Well, tonight's episode, um, it is our second of our two Halloween specials, and I think we mentioned it beforehand. Maybe we didn't, but uh, we're going to talk about aliens and werewolves, and we have a uh, a list Which are two completely unrelated topics. We're not talking about alien werewolves or werewolf aliens. (laughs) We're talking (laughs) aliens, and then I'm going to throw at you some werewolf shit. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, originally, I had some really fantastic tinfoil hat conspiracies I was going to throw at everybody. And it ended up being a rabbit hole that I simply just couldn't stop going down. So I'll tackle part of my topic at another time because it has to do with, um, oh, man, all sorts of stuff. Marilyn Monroe, um, President Truman. Some JFK business. I mean, there's lots of stuff, lots of different directions that thing took. And uh, I'll tackle it eventually because there's more reading to do now. Um, I mean, it's about news time anyway. Did you hear that supposedly um, the president, acting president? That guy that uh, sits in the Oval uh, Office? Yeah, that one. He supposedly made an, an announcement that he was going to release all the JFK information and files to the public on the 26th of October. Damn it, Donnie. That's the shit that we're talking about. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes, I I heard on another podcast on Bizarre States, they were talking that um, on the 26th, he was supposed to make the rest of the file public because it had been long enough. Technically, I don't think he was doing us a favor. I think the statute finally ran out and like they were just legally supposed to be revealing it anyway. So is it, uh... Unless he reviewed it and found more information to be damning or too important to review. Yeah, I don't think anything is going to be damning on there. I think it's just going to be all the shit that they put in that Kevin Costner movie. And they're like, yep, here you go. This is where, go. This is where What's-His-Nuts got it. Right, right. So, yeah, we'll talk. Martin Sorskazy sold it from a... We'll talk more about that later. I'm going to try to see if I can find whatever he may have supposedly, you know, released out to the public and add that to the craziness that I've already got written down in my notes. Damn it, Donnie. Release the Area 51 files. Okay, that's what we need. Roswell. Fuck this JFK shit. Well, you know, I was watching a documentary the other day, and they mentioned that actually Area 51 is kind of a patsy now, and supposedly all the tech 
and information and everything has actually been moved. And they're thinking about opening up Area 51 now yeah. for the public because there's literally nothing there. So in a little bit when we talk about aliens, I got a funny story about Area 51 where um, a guy wrote a book about how it had nothing to do with aliens but midgets who were uh, lepers. <laughs> Did you say lepers or lepers? lepers. Okay. I thought you were talking about, like, baby cats. Nope. <laughs> That's incredible. Okay, cool. Yeah, we'll, we'll get on to that in a minute. So um, did you want to jump into your news first? You uh, no, I, I can go ahead and do my mine first. So since we're, we're going to hit the on aliens tonight and Rob's not with us, I thought I'd do a two-for-one. And uh, Paul Seaburn posted this article on Mysterious Universe titled, Aliens oh. May Actually Be Billion-Year-Old Robots. Yeah. Oh, um, so this actually comes from the Daily Galaxy, which reviewed the study of alien minds by Susan Schneider, where the professor and author uh-huh. discusses her theories that our first meeting with an extraterrestrial will be with a billion-year-old robot. So, Rob, I hope you like them old, and I hope you like them cold, because that's what they're going to be. <laughs> So she goes on to state that uh, I do not believe that the most advanced alien civilizations will be biological. The most sophisticated civilizations will be post-biological forms of artificial intelligence or alien superintelligence where they have learned to uh, transfer their consciousness into artificial bodies. So, and does she think we'll actually meet them? Probably not, because they're going to be so far advanced that they're going to look at us and be like, look at these fucking retards, and just keep on strolling. But if we do ever meet them, you know, they'll be like, uh, I don't know, R2-D2s? What's that, uh, Data from Star Trek? I don't know. They'll just be... Oh, yeah, yeah. I love Data. So, and why wouldn't you not want to be a robot? Because being a robot would basically make you immortal so you could travel the universe and not have to worry about it. Your species would always survive. You wouldn't have to worry about, like, water, food, and all that bullshit. So, No, you'd have to worry about water because you would rust. Yeah, I'm talking about you wouldn't have to worry about drinking water. Like, you know, as we as humans, if mm. we go on a spaceship, we got to worry about water supplies, you know, <coughs> toilets, and things like that. You're a fucking robot. You don't need to fucking worry about taking a piss or anything like that. You just get on the fucking spaceship and go, baby. So what do you think? You think it's going to be an invasion of robots, or you think we're going to still get the classic greys? Um, I wonder if greys are artificial robots. Like, they are biological robots, and, uh, you know, we've already met them. I don't know. I think that... Uh, I, Really, I mean, it makes sense. You would think that something that advanced, something that old, because, you know, the universe itself is so old that there has to be another civilization out there. And if they're they're that much older than us, Mm -hmm. if they're not like a pure energy form, like they've, you know, evolved so much that they're not pure energy, I could see them wanting to do something like, uh, you know, artificial intelligence, like, uh, you know, Stanley Kubrick's 2001 Mm-hmm. That uh, Arthur C. Clarke series that all deals with this alien intelligence creating this obelisk and putting their consciousness inside of it as a tool um, because they had advanced so far. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, you know, I could see that. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's, it's interesting too. I'm in the middle of, um, well, hell, I just started reading Communion by uh, Whitley Strieber and. 
he mentions his first encounter uh, that he can recall was some sort of like square chested bulky robot thing that came into his room um, during the first part of his book. So, I mean, that could be interesting. And, you know, we've talked about greys and aliens and stuff like that before. And a lot of accounts with abductions, people say they feel like there's two classes of greys even. Like yeah. some of the greys are actual beings and other greys are kind of like worker bees and they're kind of like drones. And they're this bioengineered, like half robot, half bioorganism. And they've kind of just been like rebuilt, I guess. Like maybe they're like dead pieces that have kind of been Frankenstein back together with, you know, yeah. cogs and gears and mechanical engineering and stuff like that. So, <sighs> even if you think about us as a species, I mean, we technically ourselves are kind of like biological robots because our, you know, if you, theologically, if you think about it, you know, is, is our consciousness consciousness a byproduct of having a brain, uh-huh. or is our or is like our brain a, a byproduct of consciousness? So if if our brain is just the receiver, then really this our you know our body is just like a robotic shell that's just picking up the consciousness. And if you could you know produce a body that wouldn't break down, that wouldn't die with age, mm-hmm. it would make sense to you know be a biological post-robotic species. Huh. Huh, huh, huh. Well, and you know, we're progressing forward with medical history. I'm sorry, medical developments and technology and everything else. And I was um, I was just reading an article about a guy who is kind of bio-enhancing his own genes right now. He's injecting himself with bio-engineered genetic material. And so basically he kind of describes DNA and how you can rewrite DNA and inject um, modified genes into his body like synthetic genes. And his his testing basically says that he's going to inject specially marked spots in his body with these biogenes and then they're developed to enhance his muscle structure. So <laughs> essentially the guy is injecting himself with you know, mechanically engineered, well, I should say more like bioengineered genes, and he will then make himself stronger and um, more efficient, I guess. It's interesting. And that the theory about, uh, you know, they talk about uh, intelligent design, people that, you know, um, are, I guess, forerunners in that, they would say that, you know, DNA is basically like computer programming, like, basically something of intelligent design made a computer program that's biological mm-hmm. and because DNA whether it's you know for dolphins or dogs or whatever mm-hmm. it is each one of those is very specific to that species like it's been programmed you know to only go so far and so you could say that you know we are ourselves are already you know biological entities so we are biological entities. <laughs> I mean, biological robots. What the okay. fuck ever? I was like, yeah, Captain Obvious, you nailed it. Are, are you down with this sickness? <laughs> yeah, uh, oh, man. Yeah, and I mean, that's kind of always been the, the MO, supposedly, for abductions and whatnot and greys, you know, hybridizing humans and alien DNA to make these aliens because apparently – uh, supposedly, if you want to put your tinfoil hat on here, um, the greys and the aliens kind of pushed their bodies to a certain point where they were no longer 
alive in a sense or completely organic. And they have to go as far as like crossbreeding themselves with human DNA in order to kind of like try to breed themselves back. And another kind of kooky but interesting theory too is that Kray's and aliens are just us. They're just humans that have been pushed so far out into the future and out into the solar system that um, the bodies have been modified both scientifically and just biologically and they're too far gone. Like they're kind of running out of time and they're running into extinction because if you look at the, the makeup supposedly of these grays, it's big giant oval eyes and you know, the darker something is things typically evolve into getting larger eyes. Yeah. So that kind of makes sense. Um, they have small noses because you're maybe the oxygen content wherever they're at is less than what we have here. Smaller lungs, frail, you know, thin bodies that are short, diminutive, and depending on your gravity where you're at or lack thereof, you know, your body's going to develop a lot, you know, differently. If you're very thin and wiry, kind of spindly, that's because you're in an anti-gravity area, so your body doesn't need the mass to really move. You can kind of just float and do what you want. So um, the lack of ears everybody reports because supposedly these things are telekinetic. So it's pretty interesting, and supposedly they're just trying to breed themselves back to where they were before. And it kind of seems like an interesting vicious circle. You know, we're, we're racing yeah. right now, literally again, another space race to get to Mars and colonize Mars and everything. We've always called aliens Martians. Um, what I was reading is this guy basically says, like, what if we are the Martians? Like, if you watch the path we're on our way towards, we're trying to colonize a planet, a different planet. So if you want to say, you know, the multiverse theory and there's tons of different dimensions, there could be a dimension of Earth where we made it to right. the Mar, uh, to the Mars, to Mars, and we colonized it. And then things spiraled out of control and we evolved into something different. So these things cross over to a different dimension. And they're trying to stop us because they're always supposedly afraid of nuclear war and they're afraid of, you there know, are violence friends. and we're, we're going to run ourselves into extinction. They love us. Right. And maybe, I mean, maybe it's crazy enough to think maybe that is the case. Maybe, maybe they're really worried about nuclear war and we just say, shut the fuck up. We know what we're doing. And we blast ourselves into oblivion and save for a few few short, you know, amounts of people they colonize and they keep going forward and they just kind of screwed themselves over because of how hasty the trip to space was or whatever happens. The the end result causes them to spiral out of control into these creepy um, evolved entities they are now. So they try to come back and they try to prevent us and they try to steal some of us away to do these experiments and crossbreed. And basically, basically kind of save humanity, theirs and ours both. So maybe we're just kind of one and the same. Don't fuck up Earth pre-humans. <laughs> so there's a, you know, the Mars. And this has always kind of like made me curious of why the fuck we want to get to Mars, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that it's in the habitable zone. Get your ass to Mars. Yeah, get your ass to Mars. But it's got two oddly shaped moons and one of them is in a really close orbit Mm -hmm. to the planet. And every year it gets a little bit closer and a little bit closer and a little bit closer. Ah. So they theorized in, uh, you know, with mathematical equations and whatnot, people who are actual scientists, not us, (laughs) that they uh, said in about 200 years that that 
fucking moon is going to crash right into Mars and fuck it up even more than what it already is. Huh, interesting. So we colonize Mars. We're like, yay, we got here. And then bam. And we're just fucked. We just got destroyed <laughs> by a Martian moon. We just mess it up so. again. So, oh, shit. Hey, it's, it's um, like a waste of time. Let's go to Venus instead, you know? <laughs> right, Venusians. Well, if you ask Preston and I, we're being invaded by little green men, little or little gray men. But if you ask our little green gray, men. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, or maybe orangish gray men, if you ask old Billy Chubby Corgan what he thinks, it's lizard people, fucking. Lizard people. We should stop calling him Chubby Corgan. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, seriously. Like, he, when he goes and he, like, does concerts now, he's wearing the same fucking Zero shirt from 1990. <laughs> That's true. And he's got that fat beer belly that hangs out like, dude, you're fucking right. fat now. It's okay. It happens with age. Like, you're not, you know, grunge rock Corgan anymore. You're Chubby Corgan, okay? <laughs> right. Uh, you hit a low point when you dated Tila Tequila, okay? Well... Get over That's it. very true. I mean, I still, you know, musically like you, but we're going to call him Chubby Corgan. Okay. That's it. It's decided. Put a stamp on it. <laughs> well, last time on our last episode, we talked about Billy Corgan and the uh, the bombshell that shocked the world with him saying that he had a run-in with a shapeshifter. And a quick recap, basically, he's the front man for Smashing Pumpkins, and during an interview on Howard Stern, he mentioned that he he said that he witnessed a shapeshifter or a shapeshifting humanoid, and he wouldn't really go into... Uh, right, 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 right. So here's some developing news that I discovered about that same uh, news report. Um, in responding to Howard Stern's joke about reptilians and being on Alex Jones, he came to a serious point and says... Not to add to any conspiracies, but I've had a paranormal experience in my own life that kind of sort sort of lends itself uh, into that category. And, of course, he kind of throws Howard Stern for a loop, and he says, what the fuck, and kind of encourages him to open up. But old Billy doesn't really want to talk about it. And he says, oh, I'm turning red. I'm really embarrassed. Um, I don't really want to talk about it. But let's just say um, I was with somebody once, and I saw a transformation I can't really explain. And he says, wait, so a person turns into something else other than human? And Billy says, yeah, um, I saw that. I was totally sober. Imagine um, you're doing something and suddenly you turn around and there's somebody else standing there. They weren't there before, but it's somebody different. And it's hard to explain what's going on without going into detail. And I'd rather not do it. Um, and he said he wasn't hallucinating, he wasn't on drugs, wasn't drunk, and he wasn't uh, imagining the incident that happened. And when he asked the shapeshifting humanoid what exactly they were doing, they acknowledged what happened. And Howard says, well, what did they say? Were they from another planet? And Corgan says, well, they wouldn't really explain. It's just a really messed up story, and I'm being very vague on purpose. This is up there with one of the most intense things I've ever seen or ever been through. And um, it kind of goes on and on and on. And he says, basically, the story's better off for a book, which makes you think, okay, let's just stop you right there, buddy. And you just want to get some airtime and you want to write your own book and blah, blah, blah. And you're just kind of baiting us on, leading us on. So we're going to buy your next damn book. I don't know. I don't know. Well, he goes on to say, demons exist. They are real. They are reptilian. That's even what the Bible says. Eve was seduced by a snake. Substitute reptile for snake. Ergo, there's reptilians in the Bible is kind of what he alludes to. 
Um, and then he kind of elaborates a bit more about his experience with the record industry at Illuminati. And this is really strange. So apparently after they got off the air, this is kind of what goes on because he goes on to say basically off the air that out of fear for his loved ones and his career, he was being vague on purpose. But he then goes on to say, um, apparently demons exist. They are real. They are reptilian. That's what the Bible says. Eve was seduced by a snake and you can substitute reptile for snake. Ergo, basically uh, the Bible talks about reptilians and he elaborates a little bit more and this turns into a giant rabbit hole into the Illuminati-led industry of music. Hmm. Yeah, right. Describing the record industry executive who shapeshifted in front of him during a meeting, Corgan said that he, quote, can't remember the exact words the reptilian said to him, but it's something along the lines of all humans will suffer an unending agony. He later goes on to explain that the encounter had a physical effect on him after he talked to the reptilian, saying that he was left in pain for several days. And then we got melancholy and the infinite sadness. <laughs> Maybe. He says, everything in me shook. My neck, my head were rattled. My bones, my muscles, all my organs, including my brain, were literally sore for days. I was so mad. I really wanted to just kick his ass. Humanity is not taking this anymore. We're waking up. And we're going to get through this program. And uh, in every civilization on Earth, all throughout the ancient world, the snake men are mentioned. Although I can't understand why somebody wouldn't believe what I'm saying, it's hard to talk about it. I didn't believe either until I was standing face to face with one of them. Yeah, and there's no real validity of where the story came from or any you know concrete proof that it definitely happened off the air. So take that with a grain of salt, but yeah, apparently old Billy Corgan says the record industry is ran by lizard people. All right, Chubby Corgan, let me set this straight for you real quick, okay? <laughs> lizard people are actual aliens, okay? It's all over the internet, and they're not very smart aliens. They just like to build ships and repair things, and they don't like humans, and sometimes they eat us. And there's that little underground base in New Mexico where they ate a couple people, but basically they're like the... You know, the, the, the shipbuilders of the universe, that, that's all they are. They're taxi drivers. Now, as far as what the Bible <laughs> says about the snake people, the word that it uses is the bird. Yeah, the bird's the word. Um, something that can loosely be translated into the knowledgeable ones, the illuminated ones, the, the ones with light, the lighted uh -huh. ones. Basically, it's just saying those who have knowledge, those who are smart, nothing to do with reptiles. And uh, somehow when it was being translated in between, you know, ancient Aramaic and Greek, some vowels got, you know, mispronunciated and they're like, oh, they're talking about a fucking lizard. No, they're not. It's not what the original script actually said. God damn it, Billy, just stick to writing music. That's what you do. You write music, <laughs> you leave all that to the rest of us, Okay. That's all I got. <laughs> That's all you got. End. Case closed. Put a fucking stamp on it. We're done. Yeah. No more Chubby Corgan talk on this podcast. Yeah. I mean, it does It does lead you to wonder, like, is there a coincidence that, you know, we've got this whole uh, Harvey Weinstein thing coming out that 
you know, he's a giant pervert and he basically has tried to sexually assault almost every female actor in the last 20 years. That hits the headlines and all of a sudden Billy Corgan hits the record saying, oh, no, 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 guys, there's actually lizard people. Lots and lots of lizard people. I don't know. I've never seen anybody transform on live television or anything like that. So that's true. That's true. Well, believe Billy or not, that's one thing. Hang on a second. Well, you can choose to believe Billy or not. And if you choose not to believe him, well, we're going to go and share some stories here. Um, This website's top 21 UFO and alien encounters to see if maybe we can convince you otherwise. So, okay, there's 21 of these stories. If they get stupid, I'm just going to skip over them. (laughs) Um, I didn't. Right. And I didn't really censor this thing too much because, like I said, my original story, I decided to put a stake in it and, you know, come back to it. But anyway, let's get to it. 21 stories. And these are going to be quick, guys, so you don't have to sit there and get yourself a blanket and build a fire. It should go pretty fast. Number 21 is the infamous Blue Streak. On November 7th, 2015, filmmaker and YouTuber Julian Salamita was hanging out with his girlfriend, the also popular YouTube comedian Jenna Marbles, and a group of friends. They were standing in a parking garage of a Target store in Los Angeles as a mysterious blue object streaked across the sky. The object started to be as small as a speck and eventually left behind a big blue streak, seemingly picking up more momentum as it flew past. Salamita wasn't the only one who saw this. Thousands of people witnessed the event in both California and Arizona. But Salamita, who had his camera with him, surprise, surprise, was in the right place at the right time, surprise, surprise, and he captured HD-quality video of the UFO from the top of the parking garage, and his footage was used by news stations across the country. The Pentagon's official story, it was just a missile test. Wrong. <laughs> so how convenient that, man? I just happened to have my HD camera and I was standing on top of a parking garage when this happened. Fiddle-dee-dee. I, I, was, I was out in the forest and uh, I was camping by myself and I had my camera with me and that's how I caught Bigfoot. <laughs> right. Even though it looks like a stuffed animal, I swear, guys, it's Bigfoot. <laughs> uh, number 20. Colonel H.G. Shaw, one of the earliest UFO reports to come in, comes from 1896. Colonel H.G. Shaw, whilst driving his buggy, came across an aircraft matching the description of modern-day UFO sightings. He also reported that there were seven-foot-tall women standing together on the ship. They didn't speak English or really any words, but they kind of warbled to one another in a language he couldn't understand. They attempted to take Shaw, but he was too heavy. <laughs> Fat motherfucker. Poor little chubby bastard. The aliens floated away in their ship, and he never heard from them ever again. Uh, well, I'm going to give this one a pass. And just remember, <laughs> Chubby Corrigan, they're not going to be able to get you either. <laughs> I was waiting for it. Uh, 19, Tony Todd, or Tony Dodd, if you can read. An English police officer named Tony Dodd was driving his patrol car along a country lane in Yorkshire in 1978 when suddenly he witnessed a UFO flying in front of him. He described the object as a dish-shaped object with darkened porthole windows. At first, he was just amazed by the engineering of the craft. Later, however, he did consider the possibility of 
extraterrestrial life and began to investigate other people's paranormal stories. That's fucking boring. Wrong. Number 18, Carol and Helen Thomas. In 18, fuck me. In 1988, Carol Thomas and her daughter Helen were taking their usual back alley route to their work in the UK mill they worked at. This particular morning, however, was different because they began to hear a strange humming noise and looked up to see a bright light. Both mother and daughter immediately began to feel sick and dizzy. Helen had been wearing a jacket, a leather jacket, and also noticed the jacket was now totally wet even though it had not rained all day. When they finished the walk to work, they were told by their manager they were a few hours late for their shifts. That week, the Thomases both began to come down with similar rashes and generally felt anxious and fearful, but they couldn't think of any rational reasons as to why they felt that way. Hysteria. After dealing with the issues for years, Carol and Helen, Carol and Helen finally went under hypnosis with Tony Dodd and started to remember their alien abduction and the experiments the extraterrestrials performed on them. Mm. Yeah. So, so that the the that that one that you're probably gonna cut out <laughs> that was lame. Well, it, it had to do with Tony me. Dodd, man. Old boy came back. Yeah, it uh, reminded me this time this uh, this uh, person that I know that will name unnamed uh, was uh, trying to tell me about their alien um, spaceship encounter. Mm-hmm. And they were like, yeah, we were, I was driving down the highway and uh, I was in the car with my mom and I, I, I fell asleep, you know, and I had my head on the, on the, on the, on the glass and, uh, and uh, I was asleep and, the, and then I, and then I woke up and the, and then I saw three red dots and I said, holy shit, it's a UFO. <laughs> so you saw a uh, radar tower? <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, something tells me Mr. Tony Dodd's going to come on back for this next God story damn it, here. Tony. Because number 17 reigns in as the Derbyshire barbecue incident. Wherever there's a UFO in England, there's Tony. There's old Tony Dodd. Great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in the summer of 1995, Mike and Debbie, last names unknown, were having a lovely evening barbecuing on the back porch with their friends, Steve and Annie. A bright light suddenly shone on them from out of nowhere and disappeared just as quickly as it had appeared. From the group's perspective, it only felt like a split second. But they soon realized it had been longer than that, an hour or so. Their dinner was also ruined by the time they went back inside. The coals had already stopped glowing and their food was black and burnt on the grill. Additionally, everyone felt sick and anxious. In the aftermath, the group also went under hypnosis by Tony Dodd. In each of their four separate interviews, Mike, Debbie, Steve, and Annie described the exact same sort of thing. They claimed they had been abducted by aliens who had done experiments on them. Hmm. Dude, I think Tony Dodd spiked the water. That's what's going <laughs> on. He slipped the, that, that party some roofies. I think, think roofies are running around aliens. <laughs> <laughs> well, legend has it of the Black Forest UFO incident that UFOs had a big thing to do with World War II. The legend has it that a UFO crashed in Germany's Black Forest in 1936, and according to lore, the Nazis cleaned up the wreckage and hid the crash debris, along with the alien bodies who had been discovered inside of the craft. Those who believe the story also believe that the incident allowed Nazis to study alien technology and advance their aircraft during the Second World War. 
this really depresses me because <laughs> the the Nazis. I don't want to sound like some weird like Nazi supporter here, but they actually had blueprints for like the Wolfenweiser 10 and the Wolfenweiser 5, which were giant UFO like flying saucers with like anti tank, you know, tank tank cannons uh-huh. on them. And they just look like badass war machines. Like, you know, we sold all these Nazi scientists. Like, why the fuck did we not build these and have them in the old US of A? We would have been having a problem with Russia and China right now because we'd have the little Wolfenweiser 10 going Ooh. over there. Bam, bam, bam. Wolfenweiser. Done deal. Yeah. Do you know what the German word for flamethrower is, Preston? Flamethrower? <laughs> no. Wolfenweiser? The Flammenwaffe. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite. It also sounds like a really weird sexual position. <laughs> okay, so the next one I've heard of, and they give too brief a description, so maybe I'll come back to it after we talk about it briefly on another episode. The Pascagoula abduction. In 1973, Charles Hickson, who was 42, and his co-worker Calvin Parker, age 19, were fishing off the west bank of the Pascagoula River in Mississippi when they heard again that classic whirring noise and saw blue lights above them. From then, both men claimed to have been sucked up into a spaceship where robots and aliens both ran tests on their bodies. <laughs> so that's kind of interesting. We're talking about robots and aliens. Right? Please tell me there's a goo girl. Please tell me there's a goo girl. (laughs) And then number 14, of course, we've talked about the Battle of L.A. or the Battle of Los Angeles a little bit. Um, This happened in 1942 when the American military began shooting at the sky over L.A., claiming a Japanese attack was coming. The battle went on all night long and the entire city went dark. The next morning, however, there were only bullet shells on the ground and no enemy weapons in sight. In 1983, the U.S. Office of Air Force History claimed the Phantom Battle was a result of war nerves. Sorry, also known as war. (laughs) Hairball. War nerves. After the sighting of the lost weather balloon. So the entire city shot an air balloon down? That's kind of goofy. Yeah, the the actual photos of that that you can find in the actual newspaper articles, like there's something fucking there. Um, yeah, yeah, Battle of L.A. is pretty infamous and pretty yeah. interesting. And then it, it wasn't too many years before that that um, around that area, um, not only like in you know Upper California, like the Mount Shasta area, that you had all the weird um, like uh, what they called like steampunk airship sightings, and uh, that just kind of went unexplained. And so I think there's something more to that. We're gonna give the Battle of Los Angeles a pass. I think that one's a golden nugget right there in disguise. <laughs> Fair enough. So we'll have to look those up. The Pascagoula abduction and more on the uh, Battle of L.A. Those two are golden so far. The rest of it, wrong. Wrong. Number 13, Mr. Robert Taylor. In 1979, in Livingston, Scotland, Robert Taylor was headed home from work when he saw a UFO floating in the middle of a field. Two metal balls with spiked... <laughs> two metal balls with spikes rolled towards him letting out gas and dragging him along the ground. He reportedly lost consciousness. When he arrived back home, his clothing was torn and dirty, and he raved about being attacked. His wife called the cops. Law enforcement investigated the area where Robert had claimed to see UFOs and had found holes and track marks in the grass. Uh, Sir, can you tell us what happened to you last night? 
I, I was attacked by two big balls and they, they tore my clothes off. <laughs> also known as the Great Scotland Boner Incident. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, okay, so another one that's pretty classic. Clayton and Donna Lee. Just like Barney and Betty Hill, Clayton and Donna Lee claim to have experienced several alien abductions together. Clayton claims that he has been abducted by aliens ever since he was a small child, and Donna believes that an alien abduction caused her to lose her unborn unborn child. They have been on multiple TV interviews and claim that they feel they're being watched constantly ever since their first abductions. Hmm. Um, Number 11... Fran Drescher. (laughs) We talked about this one. Her and her uh, ex-husband have that weird marking on their arms, and uh, she feels like they were both uh, at the same time or whatever by the same people. Fran Drescher was that 1990s actress from the film film series, the TV series The Nanny, and she was in middle school when the car – oh, this might be a different story. She says when she was in middle school, she was in the car with her father when suddenly she lost her sense of time. After the incident, she discovered that she had a new scar on her hand. When she met her now ex-husband, oh, maybe it is the same, she noticed he had a similar scar in the exact same spot on his hand. She asked him how he got it, and he admits that he had almost an identical experience. He was in the car with his dad, he lost memory and lost time, and then found a new scar. It's like some X-Files bullshit going on right there. (laughs) Right, right. Uh, number 10, Bud Hopkins. We all kind of know about Bud Hopkins on this show. Bud Hopkins believed he saw a UFO in Cape Cod. When he arrived home in New York, he had begun to seek out other people who had also claimed to see UFO. See UFOs. Like Tony Dodds, Hopkins believes... Oh, boring. Yeah, that's right. Bud Hopkins wrote a bunch of books about UFOs. Next. Wrong. <laughs> number 9, the Gundia Mackay abduction. In 2001, Petra Heller was staying over at her friend Amy Rylance's house in the Gundia property near Tiaro, Australia. I butchered that. When she got up in the middle of the night, Heller witnessed Rylance being carried away by a beam of light through a window. Whatever really happened, there was solid evidence of a disturbance. The window was broken, curtains were torn out, and a brush outside and some brush outside the window was burned at the edges. Three hours later, Amy was found 790 kilometers, roughly 500 miles, away in McKay, Australia. She could remember little about the intervening hours except for being in a strange rectangular room. What the fuck? That one sounds crazy. Yeah, I'll give that one a pass. The Kirksburg UFO Incident. In 1965, an, uh, <laughs> in 1965, an unidentified object fell from the sky and landed in Kirksburg, Pennsylvania. Witnesses say it was shaped like an acorn and had a strange hieroglyphic mark written on the side. Yeah, yeah, we talked about this in the, the yeah. Nazi bell episode because I theorized that uh, when the, the Nazis, uh, you know, the, all the cultists got inside the bell and they're like, fuck you, America. And they started yeah. that thing up, then they got transported into 1965 Pennsylvania and the government took them. It's like, fuck you, Nazis. Yeah, yeah, this thing fell from the sky and they came back and said it was an asteroid or a meteor. And the government and NASA whisked it away. Because asteroids and meteors, people, are always made of gold, and they always have hieroglyphs on them. Nothing to see here. <laughs> oh, man. Um, the Claude Vorlhon, a.k.a. Rael story. Claude Vorlhon 
was originally a sports card journalist before he was visited by alien life in 1973. Warhol encountered aliens while visiting a volcanic, a volcanic, volcanic crater in France. The aliens descended from a spaceship and charged him with a message to give all humanity. After the incident, Volhorn changed his name to Rael and founded the Raelian movement. Oh, that rhymed. With alien. <laughs> in order to dis- disseminate the ideology of Elheim or those who came from the sky. He looks like one of the Bee Gees. Wrong. Um, Kurasan Ilyumunzevi Shermdivirin, or properly spelled I L Y U M Z H I N O V. A politician whose name I'm going to butcher claimed that aliens abducted him one night while he was standing on the balcony of his apartment. He claimed the aliens had arrived in a semi transparent half tube and looked like human beings wearing yellow spacesuits. The politician says he was able to communicate with these beings very easily on a level of exchange of ideas, or telepathy. Uh, these are kind of boring in a way. I thought there should be a little more to them. Antonio Vilas Boas, in 1957, this farmer in Brazil, was out in the field one night avoiding a soaring Avoiding the soaring Brazilian temperatures, he claims to have seen a red star in the night sky and got closer and closer until he realized it was a spaceship. He claims to have had sex with a female alien who was tasked with bearing a hybrid child. After the abduction, Boas suffered from nausea, headaches, and multiple lesions on his body. A doctor later diagnosed him with radiation poisoning, but Boas stuck to his own abduction story for the rest of his life. Harry Potter. I'm just kidding. Hillary Porter. Number four, Hillary Porter is a former employee of the Ministry of Defense in Wales. Harry Porter. She she claims to have been abducted by aliens multiple times in her life, starting at about five years old. She describes aliens as being reptilian and absolutely horrifying. She claims the aliens wanted people with Celtic DNA because they're the preferred hybrid mix for sex. Hmm, Interesting. Number three is Miss Maddie Patillo. Ever since she was a young girl, little Maddie Patillo would ask her mom, Nikki, if they could go visit Maddie's home in the sky. According to her mother, Nikki, Maddie actually began to show strange abilities as she got older and even displayed telepathic and psychic powers. Nikki Patillo is convinced that her daughter is the product of some sort of alien hybrid experiment that she must not remember. She calls her daughter a star child. Okay, moving on. This sounds like a this sounds like a bad a subplot to an X. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Critics of Nikki and the many others who claim to be star children, also referred to as indigo children by the New Age movement, have pointed out that no child has ever been able to provide any evidence of supernatural abilities, and that the supporting evidence provided by believers often points to a generalized personality trait having as such have a strong capacity for empathy. That's my thing. I've always thought people that were indigo childs were just uh, empathetic, not psychic. Research psychologist Russell Barkley said the New Age movement has never produced empirical evidence of the existence of indigo children. He instead believes that traits most commonly attributed to them are closely aligned with the forer effect. The tendency for human beings to see generalized broad descriptions of personality traits and specifically descriptive of themselves. That didn't make any sense. Okay, number two is Betty and Barney Hill. 
Now, we've talked about Betty and Barney Hill plenty of times, so we're going to skip that one. And Travis Walton, we indeed have talked about as well. Oh, I forgot about my midget lepers. Oh, yeah. Tell me about your midget lepers. So, I think it's Nick Redfern. that He wrote a book not too long ago about some research mm-hmm. that he, he found um, about Area 51. So, you know, they say Area 51... Is one of those the those um, kind of like you know iconic you know piece of American history, and that mm-hmm. the, you know the government let that story perpetuate so that we wouldn't know what was really going on there. So even though there weren't really anything to do with aliens, that just maybe something more sinister was going on, and uh, they were trying to detect. Um, above atmosphere explosions from nuclear, you know, bombs from Russia, because uh-huh. they thought, well, you know, what's going to happen if they send a bomb and it, you know, it explodes like mid atmosphere? Like, how can that affect us? So, you know, they they found some midgets um, who, you know, were you know lepers and dying from other diseases, and they were kind of bums <laughs> on the street. Nobody's going to know if these fucks are missing. So they put them in the space balloons, the weather balloons, and put them up there with the instruments, and it just so happens that one of them crashed in Roswell, New Mexico, and so when people found the wreckage of the space balloon, they found a, you know, dismembered, disfigured, midget corpse and uh they mistaken that for an alien grave huh no kidding huh yeah that's a possibility i mean anything's really a possibility and this happened i mean they're saying this was the roswell or another roswell no they're saying this was the roswell like this is (laughs) but the government can't come out and say hey guys guess what we're kind of assholes not only did we you know subject you guys to uh you know nuclear radiation in the subways in the 60s in New York, but uh, we found homeless midgets who were uh, <laughs> suffering, and we promised right. them cures, and we threw them in a weather balloon, and whoopsie-daisies, they died. <laughs> Whoopsie-nuggets, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I thought I was an insensitive prick for putting crickets inside the model rockets my brother and I used to build, yeah. shooting those things up 300 <laughs> feet, and then just letting them die. Nope, the American government wanted up to you, buddy. Okay, so stop the presses here. <laughs> you're t- you're telling me that the greatest UFO alien conspiracy of all time, the Roswell crash, is nothing was actually a cover up for the U.S. government being a bunch of insensitive pricks. Yeah, they put and murdering t- yep. midgets. Yeah, they put Terry and the Dwarf inside a weather balloon and <laughs> shot him right the fuck up. I'm not laughing because they killed a bunch of little people. I'm laughing because if that's true, that is amazing. Yeah. That made everything we just talked about up to this point worth it. Yeah. I'm sitting here thinking like, well, the listener story is going to be a good one. So that's worth it, I suppose. That is amazing. Yep. And you thought Roswell was a UFO cover up because we murdered a bunch of midgets. Yeah. Yeah. And hot air balloons. Yeah, because we'd given the you know the, the, they would be able to take these instruments up there, and uh, and you know they're I mean they're already dying of diseases and shit anyways, and who fucking cares if something bad goes wrong and we'll promise yeah. them whatever and then yeah you your who, who cares who gives a damn yeah. maybe the entire U.S. population <clears throat> you insensitive pricks yeah and just that if we cow. and if we're able to go that far 
think about like all those missing 411 cases like how many of those people that were in those missing 411s like had deformities had something where like if you know you're trying to run a covert operation and you need somebody to test it on fucking just grab those people over there nobody will know okay but did we have leprosy back then yeah, the um, there was a leper col- uh, colony here in the United States um, all the way up until the the mid '60s. And Were they called uh, Morlocks. I don't know. And he, even uh, <laughs> my dad, when he was in Vietnam, um, they actually had a, a leprosy outbreak in, in Vietnam, and okay. uh, he uh, had to help a, a Catholic priest uh, minister stuff. And the Catholic priest was like, "You're not afraid you're gonna get sick, laddie." He's like, nah, whatever. Just, let's just go get this shit done. Yeah. So. Your dad has stories of almost dying for days yeah. and days, man. So let's just throw a <laughs> scare on top of it. Oh, we need to have, we need to, we should interview your dad. <laughs> the lepers like, couldn't get him. The Viet Cong couldn't get him. Yeah, and those fucking Bigfoot. Let's, let's do it. Let's Viet get with him sometime and say, hey, <laughs> tell us about the 14 times you almost died. Uh, you've been scalped. You've been ran over by a three wheeler Rambo style. Yeah. Mm, poor guy. You've been attacked by a killer swarm of bees. Yeah. You helped a Catholic priest exercise a bunch of lepers. But at least you didn't put a midget on a hot air balloon for government that's purposes. True. So, And that's how he sleeps at night, yep. knowing that he said, I may be a lot of things, but a midget murderer <laughs> is not <laughs> one of those, Mr. President. I bid you good day. I said good day. So there you go. That's, that's fantastic, man. I mean, if you think about it, though, I mean, that, that, that would be like, I mean, why not let people believe in something that extraterrestrial happened? Because then you don't have to admit that you're a fucking asshole. <laughs> no shit. Gary, listen, what could really go wrong? It's just a couple midgets in a hot air balloon. It's going to be a one and done. They'll be up there. They're going to get us the barometric pressure readings. They'll be back down before you can say Bob's your uncle. Oh, oh, shit. shit. Yeah, the balloon just crashed. All right, Jerry, you need to get out there right now and uh, get those bodies, and don't let anybody know. <laughs> no worries, Phil. I got the perfect story. I'm just going to say it was aliens. Mm. Poor little guys. <laughs> no kidding. What the fuck? So what happened to the other ones? I mean, did all the little people die or what? Um, No. I mean, some of them, uh, you know, made it back okay, and the government gave them some money and said, you know, keep your fucking mouth shut, and they... I don't know, probably died because they're, you know, got diseases and shit. Uh, so we didn't even cure them. We just gave them money and they bought a bunch of hookers and blow and then died three weeks later. Yep. Hmm. Yeah. If you're going to go out, go out in style. What's America built on? False promises. <laughs> and the bones of dead little people. Yep. <sighs> That's the shit we're talking about, Donnie. <laughs> <laughs> We need Rob to get back sooner than later because this thing has gone off the rails. We may have one wheel left on the tracks, and baby, it's fading fast. That's fucking like half a wheel. (laughs) That's true, yeah. Wheel's gone. It's just a piece of metal just dragging. Oh, for Pete's sake. Well, guys, it is Halloween, and we did promise you a listener story, so... Take a quick break here if you want. Pause this episode. Grab yourself a blanket and start a fire. Maybe a glass of wine. Or if you're like me, maybe a little a little Moscow Mule action here. Gin and tonic. Mm-hmm. There you go. A little, a little ice crunch there. 
for all you audiophiles out there, misophonists. And uh, yeah, sit back and listen to this puppy because I think it's going to be a pretty good one. Let's um, let's cue some spooky music here real quick. There it is. Hi guys, my name's Shane, and I wanted to send in a story for you guys to see what you had to say. What I'm about to tell you, to the very best of my knowledge, is true. I say this to the best of my knowledge bit because what transpired was the most bizarre thing that's ever happened to me. It's something that I have only told about four people in my entire life and most likely will not tell anybody else, not in person anyway. Because when you listen to funny stories and spooky stories and campfire tales, it's fun. Get your blood pumping. Sometimes it's silly, sometimes it's scary. But all in all, it's enjoyable. Until you're the guy trying to tell your friends or your family what happened to you. And all of a sudden, it's not cute and fuzzy and funny. It's, holy crap, this guy's a nut job. So I don't tell a lot of people this. And I'm only telling you guys because I want to hear what you might have to say about it. This happened sometime back in the summer of 2011 or 2012. My wife and I were living in Kansas in a nice three-bedroom house in a big city. I won't disclose what city it was, just to uh, remain anonymous. In our bedroom, I would sleep facing the wall with my back towards the door. This door led out to our living room. The master bedroom also had its own bathroom with a door on the perpendicular wall to the living room door. With that being said, here goes. The first thing I remember is coming to, or maybe waking up. And I'm aware that this isn't somewhere that I recognize. I may have been here before, but it's definitely not my house. I was standing in a gray room. Maybe it was metallic, I don't know. But I know it's odd. There's no real discernible walls or ceiling anywhere. It's odd... And I know it sounds hard to understand because it's hard for me to describe. Because I can't tell in this room where the floor met the walls or where the walls led up to the ceiling. There were no real seams or edges. All I can really say is I know I was in a room. There was some low-hanging fog across the floor, so I couldn't really see what it looked like, but I would guess it matched the walls or the lack thereof. I can't recall smelling anything, but the room is cold well lit as chilly as it seems it's still tolerable which is odd to me I feel like I'm freezing and I'm warm at the same time it was very clinical very sterile while I'm standing in the gray room just as I start to really think that I'm in some serious trouble I notice I'm actually not alone the room is buzzing with conversation actually and there are about five or six people standing around me that I can only see out of the peripheral vision. I feel better that I have company now, but uh, something isn't quite right. They look funny. They look different. The room is buzzing with conversation like we've been in a bar or a large room. I glance slightly behind my right side, and I see a short metallic table. It's about waist high, and it's oddly the same color as the walls in the ceiling of this room. It's, it's hard to describe, but it's almost like this whole room, table, and all is just one giant piece. It's all just one solid unit. On the table, there's a person lying there, and they're strapped down with metallic straps. 
Are they leather? I don't know. They look leather, but they're metal. Liquid metal? What the hell's going on? Who is that? Who's that laying on this table? Who's strapped down on that table? Who are they and why are they? Then a voice appears in my head. It's disembodied and deep, but it's almost empty of empathy or emotion. And it says to me, You know the rules. I instantly snap out of this suspicion, and the concern melts away from me as I turn my head back around, and I face these odd companions that I'm in the room with. They're thin and short, kind of diminutive in stature. Their skin is orangish-gray, and they have these thin lips and short nostrils, almost lizard-like, but their skin is smooth. Their eyes are large, almond-shaped, almost oval. Uh, They're dark and they're oily. They're not shiny. They just look like liquid. It's hard to explain. I'm not scared, though. I actually enjoy their company. Um, It's like I'm with friends, long-time friends, like I'm meeting somebody from childhood that I've known my whole life. And it's not just conversation ringing through my ears, there's also music playing in the background. Kind of like 1920s or 30s jazz, like we're in an old prohibition club. And we're dancing? We're dancing. They're swaying their arms around, back and forth, almost like a swing dance, but by themselves. And while others are just moving their hips, I'm smiling and I'm shaking my head. I'm shaking my head back and forth and I'm doing the twist... This is bizarre. Someone tells a joke, and man, it's a good one. We all start laughing. Whatever was said, though I can't recall, it had me laughing so damn hard I was nearly crying. I bent down and slapped my leg just above the knee, and I let out an audible, Oh man, that was pretty good. And I casually glanced back over my right side, just over my shoulder, and I wiped my eyes uh, dry again because, like I said, I'm crying. The body behind me... On the table is a child. I know this now. They're maybe ten years old. The haircut, it's ambiguous. It's odd. I can't tell. Male or female, I don't know. Covering the person's genitals and their chest are these weird metallic leather straps. But I know it's a child. And all of a sudden I snap out of this weird haze I'm in. This comedy dance trance. And suddenly I'm terrified. I'm terrified for this child and myself. What the hell's going on? I've got to get them off that damn table because now I'm good and pissed. And I need answers because right now... You know the rules, Shane. You remember the rules. I turn back around and face my host and I apologize. And I say, yeah, um, I'm sorry. I, uh... And the music is playing and we're swinging and swaying and laughing. And damn, we're having a really good time. And I feel... Fear. Fear washes over me like a fiery sheet, like some ancient primal fear. It's guttural. It hits me hard and it feels like lightning, like liquid molten lightning, and it's raging through my stomach. I whip my body around free of the haze again, and I'm staring at this person on the table, and I feel rage, and another primal instinct kicks in. I'm the protector. I want to protect this person and get them the hell out of here because I don't know what the hell's going on, and I'm mad as hell and equally as scared. I'm going to get some answers right now because I've got to know what the hell's going on here, and I'm going to get some answers right fucking now because I, you know what? I'm sorry, Shane. 
but you knew the rules. You know the rules. I'm suddenly surprised by the statement and I'm embarrassed, like a child who's been in trouble. But wait. Now I'm laying on my bed and I'm staring at the wall. How long was I here? I have no idea. Have I been here the whole time? How long have I been staring at the wall? I can't blink my eyes. Wait. Why can't I move my body? What the hell's going on? I feel frozen in place. Why in the hell can't I move? I'm staring at the wall and I'm screaming. But not out loud. I'm screaming in my own head. I can't move. I'm frozen. All I can do is think and stare. I can't even blink. What the hell's going on? And something odd happens. As I lay here frozen, my body in this weird paralyzed cocoon, I hear another me speaking in my mind like I'm having a second consciousness and is thinking all on its own. And it says, I have to urinate. What? I don't think I have to urinate. I don't have to pee right now. What the hell's going on? And again, this odd second me thinks, I need to urinate now. I will go urinate now. Without my control or consent, my body moves on its own. My arm moves, and I grab the blanket and mechanically pull the blankets off. As my legs swing forward off the bed, my body then sits up. I'm on the edge of my bed staring at this wall. Damn it, why am I staring at this wall? I haven't blinked in God knows how long. My eyes are dry, and they're watery. Where the fuck are you going, you idiot? You don't have to piss right now. Just stop. Figure this out. Just give me the control back. My body stands up, and it turns, and it begins to rigidly walk towards the bathroom, almost like a robot. And then I see something scuttle across the shadows on the floor, and it scurries up the wall. I barely see it, but I know I did see it. It looked like a damn gremlin, kind of like those creeps from the movies, just a little smaller. It scurried up the wall, and then it looked like it almost got sucked into the shadows that were being cast across the ceiling. What the hell was that? I yell inside my head. But forget that, because it's small potatoes compared to what was waiting for me about five feet across the room. As I walk the last few steps toward the bathroom door, I see this thing. It's standing in the corner of our room black, oily, like it's made out of thick tar, and it's dripping, ugh, it's dripping all over the floor, this is disgusting, it's bubbling, and it's oozing, and it's going to be a bitch to clean up, this thing's about four feet tall, and it's thin, it's thin like it's emaciated, the arms are way out of proportion, knuckles are bony, like it has some kind of arthritis, the bones aren't right, the forearms are too long, and the, the knees are buckly. It's strange. It has a big toothless grin that's almost too big for its own damn head. Nearly from ear to ear, it's almost like some fucking Muppet. Like the top of its head could be unhinged at any time and fall off its jaw. And it's just grinning like this toothless fool staring off into space with these stark white eyes. They're almost glowing. But they don't see me. They're just staring at the bed. Oh god, the bed. What the hell's going on? Where's my wife? I'm steered in the bathroom and I stop in front of the toilet. I'm getting really annoyed now because I don't have to take a piss right now. But anyway, I reach down and lower my shorts. What the hell? 
pee streams in the toilet. A nice, thick, loud stream. What the fuck? I didn't have to take a piss, but now I'm peeing like I've been holding in for hours. Like I've been on a three or four hour bender at the bar. Then a chill crawls up my spine from the lower of my back all the way to the back of my hair. It's this unmistakable feeling like I'm being watched. It's electric, it's cold, and it scares the hell out of me because I know this feeling and something is indeed watching me. From where I'm standing, even though I'm still unable to move my head or glance over, I can barely see out the window of the bathroom into the backyard. It's illuminated by the light post that was out back, um, but something's off. It's too bright. It's too, it's too still outside. And something catches my eye. And I then see my voyeur. They're standing out in the light. It's almost like, nah, it's not the first time I've seen them tonight, is it? No, they were there earlier. It's one of those grayish-orange things from that metal room. He's standing still, almost like he's frozen. Like he's scared. Like a child has been caught stealing a cookie. I know it. I wasn't supposed to see him. Not like this. But something's wrong now, because uh, the feeling comes to me that I'm a little more in control now. And my body does this about-face. And as I turn around, I look out the window and notice a thing in my yard... Oh god, it's advanced towards the window and it's got its face pressed up against the glass and it's just staring at me. In a childlike bewilderment, but also like he's scared, like it's telling me you shouldn't have seen me, you shouldn't be here. Fuck you, I scream as loud as I can, god, I yell it. But it's still just in my brain. I didn't make any audible noise, but I'm screaming as loud as I can in my head, just leave me the fuck alone, I'll fucking kill all of you. You have no right to be here. My legs begin to move again, and I'm walking back to my bed. But not before I see that oily little creep in the corner one last time. It sees me finally, and its eyes get even wider. Again, like it's scared, because again, I wasn't supposed to see it. The eyes are so big now, so wide, it's almost like they might just pop off its damn head and roll across the floor. It knows I saw it, because its grin is getting bigger and bigger, and its eyes roll in the back of its head, and it suddenly melts away into the shadows on the wall. What in the ever-loving hell is going on? In my house? In my fucking house? No, you don't. In the exact opposite movement of how I got out of bed, I get back in, and I lay back down. My legs fold automatically like I'm a robot, mechanically. I grab the blanket and pull it over my shoulder. I try one last fleeting try and get some kind of control of my faculties, but I'm stuck. I start to think about my wife and what I was supposed to do to protect her from these things. And when the world fades to black, I'm almost lost, floating in a sleepy, oily abyss. Blackness. The next morning I wake up, and I feel pretty refreshed. Damn, it feels like I slept for ten hours or more. God, I feel great. When I get up, there's a pep in my step, and I go feed the cat. I grab a swig of orange juice out of the carton, because that's just how I do. Damn it, it's going to be a great day. I put the juice back up, I pet the cat, and I hop back in the bathroom and jump in the shower. It's going to be a good day, I can feel it. I begin to map out my work day, I plan my evening. As I usually kind of casually glance around the bathroom, my eyes go towards the window as I'm washing my body. And in one instant, it all comes flooding back. Like a bolt of electricity, it hits me right between my eyes, and I crumble down to my knees. My head's splitting, and there is a feeling like I have a head full of angry hornets. I double over and I feel like I'm going to puke, but I don't. But somehow, long after the water has grown cold, 
I managed to fight off the memories of what the hell may have happened. Was it a bad dream? I don't know. But I managed to fight away these mental bees' nests, and I picked myself up. I'm cold, I'm covered in goosebumps, God knows how long I laid there. What else I don't know is how I got dressed, or even realized that I'm walking up to the parking lot at my work towards the door until I open the front door and my coworker greets me and says, Good morning, Shane. Wow, you look like utter dog shit. What's wrong? All I can manage to mumble is, uh, I'm sorry, I had a bad dream or something. And she stares at me blankly and confused, and she says, Why would I give a shit that you had a bad dream? Are you a small child? Did you have to crawl into bed with mommy and daddy? What the hell's wrong with you, Shane? You act different this morning. What the hell is going on? And as I walk away, I try to fight away that swarm of wasps as they creep back into my head. My head starts to buzz a little bit more. And that's the end of the story. Stamp it. It's done deal. <laughs> right. So that, 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 that story reminds me of mm, a couple different things, actually. Uh, there is a lady, I don't know if we've talked about her on this show before, but um, she was an artist back in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, in New York, and she was struggling in art school, and um, she was working with, you know, like molded fabrics and things like that, mm-hmm. and uh, she just wasn't getting it. And a, a buddy of hers said, "Hey, would you come over and take some LSD, man? And uh, yeah, uh, you know, your fucking your mind will be expanded." So she <laughs> she goes over, and you know, she like you know drops you know a hit of LSD, and she starts to see these glowing glyphs on the on the wall, and. You know, she imagines in this hallucinogenic state that she goes up and, you know, she touches the the glyph. And next thing before you know, there's like all these little diminutive beings, like these little weird gnome dwarf things running around. Mm -hmm. And they're like etching, (laughs) you know, glyphs on the fucking everything. Right. And uh, she gets back from the experience and she's just fucking mind blown. And she's like, you know, I, I have to figure this out. I have to figure out how to get this under control so that when I get into this state, I can record, you know, with punctuality what's going on so it's not like garble garble because she tried it once before. She's like, I have no idea what I wrote. So after, you know, like, you know, a hundred times of getting high off LSD, she finally got it down to where she could actually <laughs> coherently write something. And right. so she starts writing down these glyphs and um, she starts to incorporate this into her artwork. And she all of a sudden just perpetuates her art. She becomes a really famous artist. And a couple of years ago on the I think it's on the iPad app store. I think if you try to look it up on your phone, you're not going to find it or it won't download. But it's called like uh, Glide. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh yeah, it, yeah, I've heard you, of that app. Yeah, if you download it and you take a shit ton of LSD and you look at the the glyphs that flash before you, they will allow you to trans you know transition into a dimension where these diminutive beings live. And she talks about one time that when she got really good at doing this, that she got into a spaceship. Or something that was floating above the earth, and it was something reminiscent of a gray room, and you know there was these small beings running around, and you know, so as you're telling that story and you're talking about this gray room, like that's the first thing that popped in my mind, like you know is this instant alien abduction? No, but 
they always talk about like with astral projection and things like that. Like if you're if you want to astral project the government when they they had these co-op you know programs that they would put these people in these rooms that were painted gray and that would somehow allow them to transition you know out of their body and do whatever it is that that they needed to do so all of a sudden you're in this gray room and then there's these little beings running around and they mm-hmm. look like they're doing surgery and things like that. So one of our like conception of alien abductions are all wrong. Like they're not actual physical beings, but these are astral beings. And what they're abducting are, are our souls, our astral bodies, and performing um, surgeries or whatever you know experiments on the astral bodies. And that's that's what happened with all this. And uh, you know the, the the something about that just kind of resonates with me with the whole gray room, small beings, and weird goblins and shit. I just think, man. We mm-hmm. just need to go take a fucking shit ton of LSD and see what happens. <laughs> 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 fucking give me a samurai sword and some LSD. No I'll, shit. Take, I'll take care of orange, gray, diminutive little dwarfs. I don't, I don't need the U.S. <laughs> government, motherfuckers. Right. And you know what's interesting, too, is um, listening to, like, episodes of um, Mysterious Universe and other podcasts and reading about, you know, abductions and whatnot. Yeah. There's a lot of people that report this gray room and that's what it's kind of famously known as is the gray room or the void like and it's again the, the yeah it's just this room area, it's know, it's like, very clean and sanitized and like they're like yeah it, it's a room but i can't really see where like the walls end or begin i can't really see like where the ceiling meets the floor but i do yeah. know it's a room and they just kind of continue to go on and on and on the more stories you read everybody goes to this room so maybe it's like a Maybe it's just a mental plane or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. It's just bizarre. So what is interesting to me is, you know, listening to reports and reading reports about shadow people, um, encounters and whatnot too. Um, if you really want to sharpen up the tinfoil hat, people also talk about, you know, grays and shadow people maybe are one and the same. They're more like the grunts or like the, uh, Oh, what would you call that? Like the scouts. They go do yeah. all the dirty work. And sometimes people say these shadow people that you oftentimes, you know, you only catch them out of the corner of your eye or if you're in sleep paralysis, maybe they'll uh, they'll be a little bit more obvious. A lot of times they say they might be kind of like the um, the lookouts because they can just blend into your shadows or whatever. So they kind of stand as sentries off in the corners of the rooms and just kind of watch like these creepy little voyeurs and then um, – you know, the grays come in and do their thing. So that's what's kind of interesting to me is this thing with these giant eyeballs really kind of yeah. sounds like a lookout of sorts. It's just kind of like hiding off in the background. And um, I don't know, these things getting sucked up in the shadows, like they're basically like liquid shadows. I always thought that was kind of weird. But um, I don't know. It's You, you got to really start just wondering where do you draw the line. Right. At some of these stories, because it's like, okay, yeah, every everything's connected, all of it, like your aliens and your your shadow people, and the shadow people have a leader they call Scratch, and he's this infamous shadow person that shows up with like a kind of like a bowler hat or sometimes a big cowboy hat. He's the master of all of them, and uh, it's I don't know. Again, rabbit holes everywhere, right? Yeah. And I think sometimes some of, you know, why you have such alternating stories, like, you know, one person will like see an owl and it's like a six foot tall owl. And then another Mm -hmm. person will, I think it's the way your mind conceptualizes things. Like, you know, you're not so much your level of intelligence, but your, 
your your level of understanding, like you know how open you are to things. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, you're going to be able to see these situations in a different light, and so kind of like you know Stephen King's It. Um, you know, no spoilers here, but in the book, you know, the kids saw him in a certain way because that's what the human mind would allow them to see. It's not necessarily what he looked like. But it's what their mind would allow them to see. And so when you have all these different reports, maybe they actually are the same phenomenon. But it's because we're so different as individuals that it's what one mind will allow that person to see versus what that other person's mind will allow them to see. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of what episode of X-Files that kind of concept shows up. I, I want to say it's the unnatural um, and if you guys haven't watched that, it's probably one of my favorite episodes just because of kind of how cool it is in a way. Um, it's kind of one of their like kind of offshoot episodes that it's just kind of a story. It's in, in its own. And it's the one. Have you seen all the X-Files, Preston? Um, I saw all the X-Files up until the last season where Robert Patrick was like in and out. And okay, I, yeah, yeah. I just stopped. I'm just like, fuck this shit. Yeah. So in this episode, I think it's like. Oh, hell, it's kind of cloudy if it's if it's actually Mulder or if it's a different character. But like, it it's got to be a different character. So I'm stupid. It takes place back, you know, around like the KKK days, early baseball, and there's an alien and he's trying to hide and like disguise himself as different people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. that one. He was a baseball player because he was in the yeah. playing in the black uh, baseball league because nobody would notice him there, and he was like the best black you know pitcher yeah. or hitter and you know yeah, everybody's yeah. ever seen. And there's a big reveal in the episode, spoiler alert, and whoever the main um, protagonist is in that story, the alien walks in and, you know, of course, freaks him right the fuck out because, holy shit, there's an alien. And so I think he faints. And when he wakes back up, there's this voluptuous, I think it's like a blonde chick sitting on his lap wearing just like a T-shirt. And he's like, oh, hey. And he's like, hey, um, this is the only way I could really, you know, appear to you and not freak you right the fuck out. So... That's what I do. I appear to people in a form that makes them more calm and relaxed. And then, you know, when you're finally ready, I'll show you my true form. So I don't know. Maybe that's the case of your owls and whatnot. Like depending on how uh, perceptive you are, you only get to see these things for what they think you can handle mentally. So like I, I think I've said it on an earlier episode, maybe like uh, the one of the first couple ones that we did. But, you know, like the – the, the the one shadow person encounter that stands out in my mind was when I was younger and I was still living with my parents and I was down in the, in the basement room and there was this hole in my ceiling and I wake up one night and, you know, I'm paralyzed and my head's kind of cocked to the side to where I can actually kind of look up into that hole, but I can't see the rafters anymore. I can't see the water piping anymore. I just, this black void and this hand slowly works its way out of the the hole like it's you know going to move its way down into the room Uh and it's got very long spindly fingers it's got like very long spindly fingernails and i'm thinking to myself like shit this is going to be like some fucking demon thing like almost like a cross between stephen king's it and the creeper like Uh it's just this weird fucking you know creepy hand and as it starts to move where i think i'm gonna see the body it realizes like oh shit he sees me like Crap. Yeah. So then it moves its way back up into the hole and then like it's just blackness and I'm like, why can't I move? Why can't I move? 
And all of a sudden that hand dips back down and just kind of waves at me like, hello. And then, <laughs> then all of a sudden the blackness just absorbs into itself. And I start to see the room again. And then as soon as that happens, it's like I wake up, I bolt up right out of the bed. And I was so scared I fainted. And I don't remember whatever, <laughs> you know, whatever happened. But, right. you, you know, is it my mind, you know, knew something was wrong. So it was trying to project you know, that sense of danger, like you need to get out of here. And that's why I saw the weird demon hand or was it because it was a real actual, you know, demon hand coming out of the ceiling. So, right. I had a, I had a weird shadow person thing happen once when I was on like this mini vacation. And the thing about shadow people is if you do in a lot of studies or I'm sorry, if you look at a lot of studies, there's a lot of people who believe that it's nothing more than just this hypnagogic state of whenever you're asleep. And um, the shadow people basically are like a, a mix between the waking state and the dream state. So like you're still seeing part of your dream. So some somebody, some figure in your dream is moving about. But because you're awake, you're getting kind of like this mental projection of the, the dream as it's basically dying in your head. So it always amazes me and fascinates me that it makes sense. Everybody's brain kind of works in a similar fashion as far as sleep goes. So maybe that's all it is, but it's odd that so many people experience it, but I can easily argue again, it's, it's how people's brains work. That's what you do. REM sleep and deep sleep and everything else. But, um, I don't know if I've told this one before or not, but we were in Omaha, um, Nebraska and Shayla was at a hair convention and I had the weekend off. So I said, yeah, what the hell I'll go with you. And I'll just kind of I'll go tootle around uh, Omaha, man. I've heard it's a really fantastic city. I'll just kind of go exploring during the day, and then I'll meet up with you at night, and it's going to be great. And I show up to some part of Omaha, and I don't know what happened, but like half the cool stores all shut down early or were closed. Like there's no Barnes & Noble. There's nothing. So I just go back to our hotel room, and it's probably like one in the afternoon after I've basically found like every, every derelict freaking business that I had hoped to go to. And in this kind of like somewhat temper tantrum of boredom, I'm just like, fuck it. I'm just going to take a nap. I'll just sleep. And when I wake up, Shayla should be done and we can just meet up and go to dinner and then just kind of go to this like after party for the hair show. And so I lay down in the hotel room and I fall asleep with my contacts in and I'm looking towards, uh, I'm facing the door of the hotel and I fall asleep. And then I remember waking up. And I wake up and I open my eyes and all of a sudden I'm frozen like that. And that's the familiar, you know, feeling of um, sleep paralysis, which I, you know, I've said before I suffered from a lot, especially when I was younger. And I'm like, oh, shit, not this again, because it had been, you know, years since that happened. Hang on a second. Luna puppy, stop. Fucking said quit, babe. Dog has this new fascination, fascination with chewing socks. And, um... I wake up and I'm laying and I'm staring at the door and the lights kind of flicker a little bit because I had like the lamps on and all of a sudden, like you turn on a staticky TV, um, this form or this figure appears and it's like, I hear like bees swarming or like locust or something like that. And it's like, this guy is made of static and snow and all this weird, like, I don't know, just, interference kind of and he's real smudgy and he's almost pitch black and he's just staring at me and then he slowly kind of like walks closer and closer and closer to me and i mean like it's 20 feet from the bed to the hotel room door and 
then he kind of starts blinking in and out of existence. And every time, of course, he disappears in true horror movie fashion, he reappears closer and closer and closer. And I remember, like, as he's getting closer to me, I can tell that he's wearing this real, you know, long, wide-brimmed hat. And he's kind of got this overcoat, like a like an old Western guy, like a bounty hunter or something. And as he gets closer, this weird staticky buzzing noise gets louder and louder and louder. And I remember like, I'm so scared. My eyes start to water. And then, um, right as he's reaching for me, it's just, I fall back asleep and then I wake back up at some point and I'm like, Oh, what the, what the, uh, and there's nothing there. <laughs> that was a, a demon bounty hunter. And he was like, not Donnie. And then he left I you guess, alone. Dude. Oh man. It was pretty freaky. Whatever it was. It really, but I mean, you know, this stuff happens and I try to have an open mind and I'm like, yeah, whatever, Sean, you said sleep paralysis. Well, I feel like people who suffered through the first part of this episode may have got some pretty good stuff for Halloween. Um, if anybody else has any weird stories you want to add to that anytime, if you've ever seen a UFO or had any kind of experience, if you're bold enough to let us know, shoot us an email, pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com or shoot us a message on Facebook or, you know, hey, we do have a hotline you can call if people still do that. At the end of the episode, you'll have all our contact info, but we'd like to hear if you've seen a UFO or, you know, crazy little green goblin running through your yard or something like that. So give us a holler. Well, do you want to finish things up with werewolves or do you feel like we've got enough? <laughs> so I, I, I came across this this uh, story about the, the Lularu, which is the uh, Cajun version of the of the werewolf. And mm-hmm. uh, it's from a uh, a guy called Dark Waters, which what he does is he Sounds goes Sounds like I can trust him. Yeah. He, uh, he goes out and uh, he'll do like interviews and things like that. And he'll do multiple interviews um, again and again and again. And you know, he might wait mm-hmm. six months, eight months, nine months, whatever it is in between them. And he tries to, you know, he finds the ones where like if people change their stories or something doesn't add up, then he just drops it. But then he'll find those ones where he really believes that this person's telling a genuine tale. And uh, so he he came across the guy that uh, was uh, living in some part of Louisiana. I don't remember what you know where, but he was a lineman. And uh, so he had contacted Dark Waters and said, "Hey, um, you, you know, when I was working on some telephone poles, um, I saw this some shit, and this is the real deal." Waters and had uh, and called him a couple times. It's like, oh, you know what, man? I, w- I want to come out. I want to take me to the spot. I want to see what happened. So they, you know, spend four or five hours driving out to this spot. And by the time they get out there, you know, it's like three or four in the afternoon. And, you know, the guy's telling them how he was, you know, working up on this line, repairing the wires. And, you know, he heard this rumbling in the in the forest mm-hmm. in the, the tree line and it's like dead silence and um he was like you know then all of a sudden i saw these eight nine foot tall hairy looking shadowy things and he's like uh what the fuck do i do because i'm like you know 60 feet up in the air on this fucking telephone line and he, he's like you know shit in his pants and uh, he somehow makes it mm-hmm. down, gets in his truck, and just gets the fuck out of Dodge. And, you know, he's like, I just, I mean, barely made it out with my life. 
So he he takes Waters to the spot and he's telling the story and he you know Waters noticed that the guy's getting really antsy and he's like dude we we gotta we gotta get out of here before the sun gets down and he's like no 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 just just wait okay just let's let's just let's test this out and the guy's like no 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 he's like listen you dragged me all the way out here you told me this story I want to believe you but I'm like let's just wait. Sun starts to go down, and I mean the guy's fucking flipping out. He's like, "Dude, we gotta go, we gotta go, we gotta go." And he's like, no, "Shh, just, just drink down. your tea. Everything's gonna be all right. Hey, just drink your tea." And uh, he's like, "You know, the guy's getting in the truck, and he's like, I kind of got like one foot in, one foot out." And he's like, "Shh, just calm down." And uh, he's like, and then it hit that silence, that really odd ominous silence and the guy yeah, it's an awesome effect go where like now the world gets and muted. Then, like there's no crickets there's no birds chirping it's just deafening silence birds, yeah. there's fucking nothing and he's like i turn around to say something and i felt the car moving and before i could grab a hold of the door i'm watching this car just fucking speed <laughs> you off, bastard right? this guy just fucking left me high and dry and he's just like he's like got this one hand out like his you know where his hand should be for the door and he's watching <laughs> his lifeboat just drive Ain't away ain't that he's a like, bitch the fuck do i do and, you know, so he's just kind of standing there like a statue and he turns around and he's looking toward this clearing of trees where he can see the, you know, the trees moving. And he's like, oh, fuck, something's coming this way. Something's coming this way. And he's like, you know, it's now it's dark and I'm standing, you know, out in the middle of this fucking highway. There's no fucking trucks or cars coming in any other direction. I can see this guy like, you know, what seems like miles down there, just two little red dots. And he's like, and I still got my fucking hand just hung out there like an idiot. And he's like, then I see it. And he's like, all of a sudden I taste like the the taste of blood, you know, in the back of my mouth, like that heavy iron taste. And like, I get the sensation, like I got to pee. And he's like, I, I, you know, I don't know what came over me, but this weird, you know, this weird sense of fear and all this other crap just, just hit me. And he's like, and then I saw it. He's like, I saw a fucking werewolf, like a <laughs> seven foot tall fucking hairy beast. And then before I know it, I hear this screech and there's the fucking guy again. He's like, get in the fucking truck, get in the fucking truck. And he's like, so I'm like trying to race around this truck, trying to get back into it. And I'm like, you motherfucker. And he's like, oh man, I'm so sorry. He's like, I thought that you were in the truck and I, you know, I got halfway down the road and I realized, man, you weren't fucking in there, but I came back. I came back. And so he's like, huh. the Lula Ruse real. So he he goes on to tell these other stories. You know, there's a, a story about an old, kind of like an old redneck dude that lives down by the border. And he's got Lula Ruse or, you know, you know, Mexican werewolves basically coming across and he's shooting at him. And so you can look him up on YouTube, Dark Waters. He's got all these different werewolf tales. And so the, this guy... He was like, listen to all these. He's like, dude, I, I gotta, I gotta prove this to myself. Like, dude, I gotta, I gotta go find these fucking things. So he contacts Dark Waters and it's like pestering him. It's like, where, where are these werewolf encounters? And so, uh, Mr. Waters is like, you don't, you don't, you don't want to go find these things because once you find mm-hmm. them, they find you and it, it ain't a good deal. 
He's like, no, no, don't, don't fucking tell me this shit. Dude, give me a fucking lead. Let me go prove this to myself. So he gives the guy a lead. He says, you know, go down in this area of New Orleans, you know, go find uh, some vendors here and there and ask one of them and they'll, they'll give you a location. So that's what the guy does. He goes down there and he finds like this little street urchin, this little kid. And he's like, yeah, mister, you got, you know, you got to go right here. And he points it out on a map. So the guy gets a little shrimp boat or a little, you know, whatever gator boat, you know, that, a. Uh, history channel uh, fucking <laughs> you know american gator swamp hunters or whatever those okay, little fucking right. boats that those guys drive imagine the guys in boats, that by the way. right so he he pulls up yeah they're just boats i mean i think they're like gator boats but I guess they're just boats and uh or even better imagine like indiana jones and the last crusades and those like nice little you know, racing boats with the wood and everything. Like, just put the guy in the, in your picture in your mind. Put the guy in that boat, and he's in the the swamps of New Orleans, and he finds like this little little tiny island, and he's getting up close to it, and he sets anchor, and the sun starts to go down, and he sees all these shrimp boat captains and these you know gator hunters, and they're fucking hauling dodge out. And they're looking at this, you know, dumb old white guy like, get the fuck out of here. And he's just like, where the fuck's everybody going? Like, what's, what's going on? Like, why is everybody, you know, hitting tail and run? All of a sudden he looks back and at the edge of the island is this <laughs> fucking werewolf just standing there. And then this other fucking werewolf just comes out of nowhere. And he's like, and then another set of eyes. And then he's like, I froze. He's like, I you oh, know, that yeah, same yeah. The taste of blood, the iron in the back of my mouth, and he's like, I've, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna fucking die, but by the grace of God, I somehow got the fucking anchor, and I'm like, yeah, you're right, I'm not fucking looking for this shit ever again, and so that's that's the story of the werewolves right there. I don't know. I want to go find one. Like, I, I want to take a road trip down to New Orleans, and mm-hmm. you know. Go out there and see, see what I find. Well, I want to go see Dave Matthews' band in New Orleans, so maybe we can make it a yeah. yeah. Let's do like a dual road trip. I'll you know <laughs> yeah. you you pack a cooler and some party supplies, and I'll pack a you know a couple forty fives with some silver bullets and some holy water and. <laughs> right. uh, you know, whatever else werewolf hunters need. A few and broken the radios need. that you Frankenstein together. and uh, Yeah, I mean, if you're going to go werewolf hunting, I think that you need to be, you know, you need to be prepared. Don't just go out there in a fucking boat. Like, yeah, fucking true. bring a forty-five with silver bullets. Like, look up your, <laughs> your werewolf lore and come prepared. Well, that's awesome. Oh, yeah. You, you don't go to an exorcism without a Bible, do you? I don't go to exorcisms, period. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, man. Well, fuck, dude. It's, it's been almost, we're getting, we're cl- we're, if I could speak, it's getting close to the two-hour mark, so we should probably yeah. cut this puppy up. I'm going to assume that with edits, we're going to be around an hour and 45 minutes. So, um, Man, we keep delivering. Yeah, we do, man. <laughs> well, it is. Uh, we're recording here on October 27th, Friday. It's about uh, 12.45 in the morning. Have you watched any of Stranger Things Season 2 yet? I'm three episodes in. Damn, Daniel. I uh, I made it home early enough, so we watched episode one right before you and I jumped on Skype. So it's pretty good, dude. It kind of felt like coming home again. 
Yeah, I like that they they added uh, Paul Fraser in there as a scientist. That's pretty fucking cool. Um, yeah, that's pretty neat. The, well, we'll keep it pretty spoiler free. But yeah, yeah, you've got some you got some interesting new characters, man. Yeah, the Red Ranger is uh, plays a, a new character in this season, mm. and uh, Samwise Gamgee shows up as a character. <laughs> Gosh, yeah. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty interesting stuff. If you guys want to hear some a really good insight about Stranger Things, jump on to Nerdist um, and check out the Nerdist podcast. It's one of the most recent episodes, and Chris Hartwick actually interviews the Duffy brothers. And it's pretty fantastic uh, as far as, like, finding what they went through to make that show. Like, 15 or more networks actually turned them down and said, guys, you have to either do a show about kids that's lighthearted and aimed towards children or a paranormal show where your lead actors are freaking adults because nobody wants to watch a paranormal show with a bunch of 12 year olds as your lead characters. It's not going to go anywhere. It's going to fail and jog on guys. Cause we're not going to sign up for this. Man, they're, they're, they're fucking wrong. Dumb motherfucker. Yeah, dude, it's crazy. And, Take that Fox. And it's cool because it's based, you know, around the Montauk project and stuff like that. And apparently yeah. in the very beginning, um, I was reading that they actually wanted to have this take place in New York. And then, you know, toward, as things mature and evolve, they ended up taking, you know, a new, um, a new, well, what do you call that set piece? And, you know, it takes place in the little town that it takes place in, but it's pretty damn interesting. And they said that, uh, they've already greenlit season three before season two ever even hit the actual airwaves. So like, we're going to get a season three mm. and they said that they could take it to about four, maybe no more than five seasons. If, if things keep going in the right momentum. And at first part of me is like, what? that's just, just four seasons. And I'm like, you know, breaking bad kind of did it right. They went with basically five and a half seasons. If you want to count the fact that they split that one into two seasons, it was just enough time to get a perfect story. Get in and get out. Yeah, don't drag it on. Don't don't fucking. Yeah. So I mean, who knows? Get, get to the point. Yeah, I. Uh, Shayla said that we're not going to binge this show. We are going to watch one, maybe two a night because she wants to kind of do a slow burn as opposed to just uh, jump in and then oh, what now? We watched it in, in nine hours. We were finished, and now what? So. Yeah, we wanted to originally binge it, but we stopped at three for right now. So yeah, savor the flavor. Savor the flavor. Hell yeah, dude. Well, I was, uh, I shouldn't say I was let down about 1922, but I just wish that maybe once a Stephen King story made into a television movie or television show could just stay with the story. Don't think that you've got a better ending because people can't wrap their brain around symbolism. <sighs> you know, why do you build me up, Buttercup, just to let me down? I wanted so much for that. I thought it was a series, and I stand corrected. It was just a movie. And after watching the movie, I'm like, fuck, I kind of wish it was a series now because you moved so fast on some really important stuff. And I feel like maybe it could have been like a two-parter or something. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Check it out. Make your own assumptions. But I'm going to give it a solid C-plus in my book. I'm going to give it about one and three-quarters Boykins because I just didn't really care yeah. that much. Just remember, Hollywood – you're not a dirty old man who's been hit by a car and has wrote, you know, like 19 number one bestsellers. So <laughs> fucking stick to the script. Right. Apparently, Hollywood, you're just a dirty old man who wants to 
lay with every up-and-coming female actor or intern or, who knows, pizza delivery girl. Fucking Illuminati reptile bullshit bastards. Pizza delivery woman. Have you have you watched the the Good Daughter yet? The Good Daughter. No, I I want to, man. Is it good? It, it, you know, as far as Kevin Costner movies go, I'm not a giant fan of Kevin Costner. I, I think mm-hmm. that uh, he's probably my least favorite favorite actor. Like most of his movies are just overproduced shit. Yeah. Um, but uh, there was something about that movie that uh, was just pretty pretty good. So I mean, is it? Uh, you know, is it uh, Stranger Things worthy? No, is it uh, you know maybe a little bit better than Pet Cemetery? Yeah, just a little <laughs> bit, so. yeah, oh yeah. But if uh, you didn't waste all of your Halloween listening to this episode, and you still have a little bit of time left, and you're like, I want to watch a scary movie with my loved ones, I'm going to give you the top five movies that you could watch on Halloween that are you know good as gold. Oh yeah. So, Coming in at number five, a 1973 TV movie, Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. Huh. And I'm not going to read the description because it's really fucking long. Just, you know, Google that shit. Yeah. <laughs> Coming in at number four, Gargoyles, another old movie from uh, the long gone times in 1972. Oh, um, yeah. Supposed to be a really good one. Coming in at number three, Plague of the Zombies. Has Christopher Lee, uh, Peter Crushing, and uh, was produced by Hammer Films. Which, oh, it's a Hammer film, huh? Yeah, and it, some of their stuff in the uh, the late 70s when they started mixing genres like Kung Fu and Dracula and <laughs> yeah. werewolves and you know country westerns. Like Those are my some of my top horror movies, so... Go look up uh, The Seven Brothers versus Dracula. That one is a pretty good one. Uh, Night of the Demon was a 1957 black and white movie starring uh, Dana Andrews. Um, that's supposedly supposed to be a really good one. I'm and pretty sure I've seen Night of the Demon, actually. The Ninth Gate. I haven't seen that one in a really long time. That stars Johnny, Johnny Depp? Yeah. Oh, nice. So go give those a whirl. Oh, yeah, dude, and go watch the, the Gate. Have you ever seen the Gate? That old eighties uh, horror movie. I have not. Who's in? Oh, dude, classic. These little dudes, little dorky like ten year olds, um, find out that if you play like I don't know, let's just say it's like Zeppelin. If you play the Zeppelin record backwards, um, it's Devil Speak, and it will open up one of the gates of hell. So one of the little dorks does it. Fuck yeah! And opens up a giant, you know. Uh, chasm in the backyard and it unleashes these tiny little claymation demons and they run amok and it's amazing. It's one of the best worst movies ever. Best worst movies. Well, dude, I say we cut it here. What's some podcasts you want people to listen to? <laughs> so, um, even though Big Steve couldn't be with us tonight, please go check out his podcast with our other buddy Brady. Um, titled OND. They talk about video games, nostalgia, pop culture, and, you know, sometimes Steve, you know, buying a bunch of shit at garage sales and, you know, getting the deal today. So check <laughs> if, it out. Always- if Steven was an X Men, his secret power would be to find incredibly great deals at garage sales. 
Uh, how am I, uh, how are you going to help Magneto uh, take over the world? Well, you need to buy this at this garage sale for two ninety nine. <laughs> fucking hell of a steal. Yeah. You know, I found a giant uh, plastic jail cell at a garage sale and got a hell of a good deal. Five <laughs> bucks. They wanted 25 I talked them down to five. Boom. Let's go catch a Magneto. He can also get you an Ouija board for a buckaroo. <laughs> I love how you call it an Ouija board. <laughs> That's what I do. Okay. O W A G I I I O W E J. Also, like I said last time, you know the the Bruds gave me a shout out a couple of years ago for my paranormal stuff. So check out Expanded Perspectives, uh, kind yeah. of a podcast down in Texas. Um, they got some good stuff. So give them a listen, give them a whirl. And uh, other than that, uh, if you're looking for a Masonic Education podcast, check out um, From Whence Came You and then all the pixelated sausage stuff. Yeah, check out Mark. Our buddy Mark's got a show, Pixelated Sausage. He talks about all sorts of stuff like anime, movies, games, and everything in between. And oftentimes just kind of likes to ramble a bit about all sorts of good stuff. So check him out. Check out our other brother or sister podcast, Pixelated Radio, the best of yesterday and today, where our very own Rob and Mark and Corey. Fuck Corey. And Rich join up together to talk about games and movies and everything else pop culture that they're into right now. And then check out Rich's show, my favorite podcast that I've never listened to about NASCAR and other things that go vroom vroom, Sports Car Unleashed. Check it out. It is one of my top five podcasts. And other than that, um, if you've got a beard or you want to grow a beard or you know somebody who does, check out BigDobsBeardBalm.com. Our buddy at Big Dobbs keeps our beards nice and moist and kempt. So if you've got one, want to grow one, or know somebody who does, check them out and use the promo code PXLPARA for 20% off your entire purchase on that website. That's our very own Pixelated Paranormal promo code he's given us to give you. And I can tell you, roll with classic. That is a good smelling scent. Classic is pretty fantastic. I went bold the other day and used the last fingerful of classic that I had and put it with a little bit of this um, this cedar that I have. Yeah. And oh baby, I smelled like a dapper lumberjack. Man, it's a, it's a Dundee cedar is the other smell that I just got. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say it now, Alan. Man, you might think about I don't know. Maybe you have. I'm not telling you how to do your job. But if you haven't, maybe look at mixing some of that cedar and some of that classic, my friend, and call it Dapper Jack. Or don't. It may smell like Bigfoot's dick, so maybe don't. Uh, mine call smelled it good the, when the I did Dapper Dan Swope scent of the millennia. <laughs> right. So, yeah. But, man, hey, keep doing what you're doing because your beard balm is choice. And I think with that, guys, we're going to call it because, boy, howdy. It's going to be damn near two hours of a show, so enjoy it. Stay safe out there on Halloween. Check your apples for razor blades. Yeah. Check your candy for syringes. Don't take red balloons, and uh, just remember, trick or treat. Trick or treat. Yeah, so thanks, guys, so much for listening. Happy Halloween, yeah. and we will see you guys very soon. Thank you so much. The cast that Pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the paranormal highway. 
If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. You have two ways. One, email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, we have that set up too. Dial us at 707-523-4263. Again, that's 707-523-4263. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. There was a couple called uh, Betty and Barney Hill. No relation to the other Betty and Barney Hill, but they were driving one night in their old, you know, pickup truck down Highway 40. And uh, this uh, alien named Bob mm-hmm. was up in a spaceship above the Earth, right? And don't ask me why aliens are named Bob. That's just his fucking name, okay? So he's in his little fucking Millennium <laughs> Falcon spaceship up there above the Earth. And he says, you know what? I am like. I heard that Earth has the best fucking biscuits and gravy in this side. You're uh, a fucking you, idiot. You know, what, whatever. <laughs> the Milky Way galaxy. And so he's like, I'm going to go to Uncle Bob's country kitchen and get the best fucking big biscuits and gravy that this, this world has to offer. So he flew down his fucking spaceship right in front of Betty and Barney Hill. No relation to the real people who, in fact, had just been to uh, Uncle Bob's country kitchen had oh. a doggy bag of biscuits and gravy, and we all know that aliens always ask people for uh-huh. biscuits and gravy, especially biscuits. And so the alien Bob said, "Hello, Earthlings. Would uh, you uh, mind uh, giving me some of your leftovers of the world famous biscuits and gravy?" And they said, "Why the fuck not? This is a fucking alien. Like, fuck yeah, I'm gonna fucking give you the world's best biscuits and goddamn gravy." So they they handed over the biscuits and gravy to Bob. Bob got back up in a spaceship above Earth. Now you know he's floating up there. He's fucking eating the biscuits and gravy like this is the best fucking shit. He's shoveling his mom. No, 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 no. Then these other aliens who, I mean, they're like round like basketballs, and I don't know their fucking names, but they're fucking ugly. And they're in this giant fucking ship, and they're like, we have to build the super-duper galactic interstellar, you know, space highway, and it's and Earth is in the way. What do we do? Do we spend the 700 million ruples and destroy it? Or, do you, you know, do we, do we spend this? And they're like, you know, fuck it. Let's just press a button, like, on the Death Star, and then bam, Earth is destroyed. And you know what, folks? Bob was the last known person on the face of this galaxy, universe, whatever. To have Uncle Bob famous biscuits and gravy, and he was sad for a second, and he threw it in the trash receptacle, and then he took off on an adventure with a towel. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> and that, folks, if you want to introduce your children to the world of extraterrestrials, you tell them that story at bedtime because that is a. That is a one-and-done bedtime story that I, <laughs> I found remember that my son loves. when we were out playing disc golf and you told me that story. <laughs> <laughs>